0: My mantra would be, if I could save one child being affected by anti-seizure medicines, it would all be worth it.
1: Fala Homo Sapiens, this week on Epilepsy Sparks Insights, we hear from the advanced midwifery practitioner Kim Morley, who specialises in helping people with epilepsy who won't have children. With over 20 years experience, Kim tells us how she has positively influenced the lives of people with epilepsy and their partners when it comes to having children or not having children. Kim also helps minimize the health risks of the mother before pregnancy, then the mother and the fetus during pregnancy, and then the mother and baby after birth. And she improves the whole experience really for the whole family. And I actually do know a woman with epilepsy who was under the care of Kim for her second pregnancy and compared to the first one it was it was it was a dream. (laughs) If epilepsy research and treatments are of interest to you then make sure that you press the subscribe or follow button and hit that bell to receive notifications of our weekly episodes.
0: I'm an advanced um, midwifery practitioner in epilepsy and I'm employed by Hampshire Hospitals Foundation Trust. I retired from being an epilepsy specialist nurse there in August last year. Um, I'm so I'm a registered midwife, registered nurse, advanced clinical nurse practitioner and an independent nurse prescriber. And in my, in my epilepsy history of caring for people with epilepsy, I've looked after women for 22 years. I've set up a community Sapphire Epilepsy Specialist Nursing Service for Southampton. And run that for seven years. And I also established and ran the Hampshire Hospital's Foundation Trust Epilepsy Nursing Service.
1: Wow, you need to do more. You need more for your for your CV. So um, you've mentioned several projects there. So could you give us an overview of, of what your role involves and what got you into it? Why did you choose to specialise in this area?
0: So, more than two decades ago, I came across a child who'd been exposed to anti seizure medicines in utero, and very sadly, her mum had died of sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, SUDEP, when she was one year old. And I had come across children exposed to um, alcohol and different teratogens, but I didn't realise that actually there could be the same type of cranial facial anomalies. That occur in alcohol as anti-seizure medicines and it was very apparent this um, young girl had learning disability and also behavioural issues. Now I was a young mum myself of two children and my heart went out to this family, especially tragically um, losing a daughter and a wife and the girl her mother And so I wanted to know more about it. So I found a book in the library about epilepsy and I knew it from my nurse training anyway. I'd come across lots of people with epilepsy, but um, I wanted to see what sort of support there was for for people with epilepsy. And um, I joined the National Fetal Anticonvulsant Support Group run by Linda Hamilton in Scotland. So that was the first group. And I got in touch with geneticists such as Peter Turnpenny and um, gathered all their information and research to see that this wasn't just about um, anti-seizure medicines potentially causing major congenital malformations, which is what we all knew. It was potentially causing um, what they then termed as a fetal anticonvulsant syndrome. So, if it's valproate, fetal valproate syndrome; if it was carbamazepine, fetal carbamazepine syndrome; if it's phenytoin, fetal hydantoin syndrome. So, I started lecturing about it because I thought, well, I didn't know about it, so let's teach my colleagues and peers. So. I went through all the hospitals in the South. I think my own hospitals, the last to get onto clinical governance. And I'd taken all my research with me and and made them printed copies. And they said, well, why do we need all that? You know, if you've got the information, why don't you go ahead and set up a service? But of course, it was unfunded. Um, But I was so passionate that actually the time that women needed to know about this was not when they were pregnant because very little could be done, it was before they became pregnant. So I set up the first preconception and pregnancy service in the country run by a midwife um, in epilepsy. And um, I wanted to make sure that every woman had the opportunity. So I went to every GP practice in the whole trust and gave a card about the service and encouraged people to come on board. So I did become a hospital trusts registered charity women with epilepsy so that sustained my work until 2007 and then the trust took over at that point when I went to set the community service up so I continued running the women's service and I learned through actually my work with women not just preconceptually but in in pregnancy too, that it wasn't just about the potential effects of the anti-seizure medicines, Many women had never had the opportunity of seeing a neurologist. They hadn't had their diagnosis reassessed. And we know that misdiagnosis is potentially very high, depending on where you've been diagnosed and who diagnosed. And the fact that some women would have grown out of their epilepsy. Also, they hadn't weren't very well informed about the potential interactions with contraception and about fertility itself. Uh, and, you know, the relationship between hormones and epilepsy and anti-seizure medicines and hormones and so so learning all that stuff along the way and of course then I did my epilepsy um modules and and then waiting for women to get seen, to have their medicines changed was so frustrating. So I thought, well, the only way I can do something about this is to become a prescriber. So um, so, so, then I did that. And of course, all this was quite new to, to, to the trust and to the country, really. Tori, when I started this journey, it makes me want to cry, I said my mantra would be, if I could save one child, being affected by anti-seizure medicines it would all be worth it but but it isn't just about that as one woman said to me and I know I've stopped thousands and thousands of child children being harmed it's about supporting those women who have had children affected by the anti-seizure medicine and some women despite the knowledge of the effect of the anti-seizure medicine will make the decision even if we don't think that is a wise decision. That is the decision they want to make. And we just have to make that as safe as possible for them if they make the decision to have children knowing that the medicine that they're on particularly could cause adverse effects. And also during the journey because of working abroad in Africa um, and previously working in the outback of Australia, I've learned what it's like as well to have social deprivation and come from an ethnicity where cultural pressures can affect the whole way that you live with epilepsy, but also your attitude towards taking medicine, etc. And then another cohort of women who are extremely vulnerable, you know, they're in vulnerable relationships and um, they you know, they're at risk, not just themselves of harm, but also potentially their children that they're going to have. So that's kind of taken me into substance misuse and and, um, also women with complex needs and comorbidities. And so I used to lead on child protection and domestic abuse in our trust, and also do the clinic, the high-risk clinic, along with the obstetrician for women with complex needs.
1: Are all women um, or families affected by the epilepsies who um, are on an anti-seizure medication, are they all um, at a higher risk of um, issues with pregnancy, birth and um, post uh, after birth than other people? They'll all be very
0: individual, their journey before they get to you. And if, for instance, I'm referred a woman who's pregnant, who's on anti-seizure medicines, For a start, if I've never seen her before, I I don't know what her journey's been before I've seen her. I don't know whether she's been seen by anybody in the past. I don't know whether she's been adherent with her medicine. And I don't know whether pregnancy itself has stopped her being adherent with her medicine. And it's surprising when you actually look at studies of collection of medicines when somebody is pregnant As a woman goes through the trimesters, often the collection of prescription drops off. And actually, I think it's, you know, the realization that there's a baby and when you're taking this medicine, it isn't just about this potentially might affect you. It might also affect the developing child. So I have extremes. I have somebody I've been seeing from 16 who gets to 28. She's been in different relationships. She's settled now. She's in a relationship. I've been seeing her for years and then she decides to have a baby. She absolutely knows everything that's going to happen. And then you'll get the walk through the door, somebody you've never met, they might have booked late, they might have transferred from a different trust. They have no idea of any of the potential risks. And actually when you look at risks, What you have to think of is that certainly being an EMBRACE assessor on on the maternal um, morbidity and mortality reports, what I look at is even somebody apparently low risk and maybe hasn't had a seizure for many years, say they used to have generalized absence epilepsy when they were very young, what I'd be looking at is, Is there a potential reoccurrence risk of their seizures occurring in pregnancy? And remembering the cohort of women coming through are the prime target of when generalised tonic clonic seizures can start occurring in a generalised absence epilepsy syndrome or a juvenile absence epilepsy syndrome. So, you know, especially around the age of 18. So. Pregnancy on top of that potentially could increase risk. So, when I see somebody, it's not to frighten the life out of everybody and think they are all definitely going to be high risk. It's to be able to do that assessment at that point. And actually, when somebody has come through childhood with a history of epilepsy, it hasn't really belonged to them, it's belonged to their parents and the care providers. And actually, having done transition clinics for many years, more than I can remember, um, I absolutely know there's this love-hate relationship with becoming, you know, um, responsible for your medicine management, et cetera, mm-hmm. but accepting the diagnosis is still there. And so for many people, even if they're not on medicine, and they've not had seizures for years, it is an opportunity just to talk about it, find out if they've got a childhood epilepsy that's unlikely to recur, like benign rolandic epilepsy, and then actually counsel them accordingly. And some people, you would be surprised, Tori, they have very little information about epilepsy. I'm not at all surprised, to be honest. (laughs) I don't really know why they take their medicines yeah so if they don't they might have seizures and some people have a relationship with their medicines that actually when they have seizures they may take them and
1: oh gosh it's so awful
0: uh, and that is very common and I think we're very naive as specialists if we think that isn't true and I can remember looking after one dear lady in labour mm-hmm. Um, with epilepsy, and of course, I'd looked after her all through her pregnancy, and I hadn't seen her preconception. She'd been referred to me at twelve weeks, and um, so I went into the room and I, you know, checked to see if she's all right and said, "You know, did your, did did you have your reminder come on your phone to take your medicine?" She said, "Oh no, I haven't taken it." So she took it, and when I saw her postnatally, because I follow all women up in the postnatal year, she said. Do you realize that's the first time I'd ever taken it?
1: So oh my goodness, it's so dangerous, right? Oh but, but I think
0: you know this is choice. Your choice yeah. when you give advice to take medicines, you have to understand that you know, some people will not want to share with you what's actually have, happening. Yeah. I think some people, it can be very scary. And I always say to people, I, I'm a bit rubbish at taking medicine myself, which I am, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's why, you know, if I have a long term condition, it would be very difficult for me to manage. But how is that for you? You know, how, you know, in a, in a week, it's 14 doses often of medicine. How how many do you achieve? And kind of going, you know, going out without putting stigma on them, being understanding. But then, you know, talking about how these drugs get to steady state. So actually helping women and their families become the expert in their condition. And I think going on from that with partners and family members, Mm -hmm. many partners have never seen the woman have a seizure. So common. Yes, so the first absolute thing you need to do is to actually... Give that person the information, of course, um, Epilepsy Society and Epilepsy Action have fantastic um, information about first aid. So I link it over. I always demonstrate when I'm face to face how to how to do first aid and what to do, making sure there's a plan in place for the partner. And of course, if somebody's having is at risk of having prolonged seizures, then, of course, doing emergency management training with buccal that sort of thing. But I think also a lot of this is always about the women themselves. But, of course, it takes two to tango isn't it? <laughs> or a pregnancy. So absolutely have, having the partner on board. And it won't always be a male partner. It might be a female partner. Indeed but having the partner on board to actually understand about the epilepsy, but also to enable, not to disable. Because if all women hear about is risk, it's so upsetting. We know epilepsy is potentially high risk and actually it's deemed high risk in maternity, but actually it is about reducing those risks. It's about risk aversion. And the person we need to do that with is not the healthcare professional, it is the woman. And it is their family members, but actually for some women being told by their partner or a family member, have you taken your
1: medicine? You yeah, taken- so it can be so annoying, right? <laughs> it, it can actually stop them. Doing that. Of course not that we can be stubborn but yeah it makes yes. sense.
0: So so coming on board but you know adjustments working with the with the partner as well adjustments like do they do night work do i need to write a letter so that they're there at um, night to protect the woman if she was at risk of and we don't know Everyone who's going to be at risk of a nocturnal tonic-clonic seizure, you can't just say if they've had nocturnal tonic-clonic seizures before, but we do know. You know, I absolutely know the women who are going to be at high risk during pregnancy, and of course that will include women who have had seizure tonic-clonic seizures in the last 12 months. It will include women who have had um, nocturnal seizures, women who have um, had prolonged seizures women who've got a symptomatic cause for their epilepsy, so they've got a focal epilepsy, if they've got an abnormal MRI and EEG. And of course, if they've had a history of seizures during a previous pregnancy, If they have a learning disability, because we'll almost definitely be thinking about a structural causation, but also looking at that and how they manage their epilepsy and what's their support network like, so the complexities of that, and women with lifestyle issues, so so we have some you know, it's a minority, but some women who drink too much alcohol and use illicit substances. So, you know, it, it's about that as well. But it's also about women who have got lots of triggers for seizures, you know, who, who work far too many hours. <laughs>
1: Been there. Sometimes still am, yeah. <laughs>
0: work too many hours and don't get enough sleep and always put other's needs in front of their own so so it's about looking at that person as an individual but most definitely you know working with the family to reduce risk but enabling rather than disabling and being there when a woman baths her baby but not taking over and doing it you know just putting everything in place so that she can parent effectively not so that somebody else is parenting for her unless that is so unsafe a bit like we were talking about before Tori that that person is at such high risk of tonic-clonic seizures without warning that not only at the high risk of injury to themselves but also their either developing baby or their child. When the woman's had her baby it's about nurturing that and that education that she's then going to you know in in a much simpler form talk to her children about her epilepsy and that reduces her feeling stigmatised because of it but also the child potentially could be a lifesaver and many children have won awards as you know for helping mummy or daddy when they've been having a seizure.
1: Well thank you so much Kim this is just a brief insight into your work and the value of the work and I I just could not speak highly enough of you and I've heard from other patients who've been your patients actually of the quality and the value of the work that you do and there is actually a video out there I might put a link below actually um, of a uh, former patient of yours um, who uh, contributed to you winning one of your many awards and her daughter talking about what to do should her mum have a seizure and it's yeah it's really heartwarming so thank you very much again Kim.
0: Thank you for asking
1: me, Tori. To learn more about Kim, make sure that you check her out at torirobinson.com slash epilepsy-spark-insights, where you can find links to her work. And if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to receive weekly episodes featuring some of the world's leading epilepsy specialists and researchers. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.